What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. It is Shireen here. I'm so, so excited to bring you this hot take. And with me, all the way from down under, I have Dr. Kate O'Halloran. Dr. Kate O'Halloran is an award-winning journalist and academic researcher. She holds a PhD in gender and cultural studies and is passionate about gender equity in sports, ending violence against women, and all forms of social justice. In 2019, she won the Vic Health Award for Outstanding Reporting of Women's Sports, an award she was highly commended for in 2018. In 2019, she was also shortlisted for a Quill Award for Excellence in Coverage of Women in Sport, while her AFLW radio show, Kick Like a Girl, was shortlisted for Excellence in Sports Programming at the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia Awards. And as a freelance journalist, she's a founding member of Siren, a women in sport media collective. And she's also a former Victorian state cricketer. Welcome, Dr. O'Halloran. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's a thrill to be on. I love this podcast. <laughs> uh, and, and thank you for being so accommodating with my frenzied request to please come do this hot <laughs> take because we need to talk cricket so urgently. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a very exciting time. Okay, so let's get right into it. The finals. On Sunday, March 8th, International Women's Day, the Women's T20 Finals. So for those listeners that don't know, it's a wonderful time to get into cricket. It's always a great time to get into women's cricket. What is the T20? Is it regular cricket? What is it? Well, I suppose it's become a lot more mainstream now, but it was pretty radical when it was first developed. It's a, a very short form of the game. So instead of bowling your standard 50 overs that you might in a one-day international, it's a 20-over game. So it's well known for being fast-paced, high-scoring, very exciting, dramatic finishes. And, yeah, here we are with the international tournament in Melbourne. That must be, the, the air must be electric to have this, particularly with, and this isn't a spoiler, Australia being in the finals. Yes, well, it was looking really dire there for a while, actually, because <laughs> um, <laughs> there was two semifinals played yesterday in Sydney, and they both looked like they were going to be rained out, which would have been an absolute disaster, because in Australia, uh, there's been this huge campaign uh, for a very long time now, actually, to fill the MCG for the World Cup final on Sunday. And if Australia were eliminated on a technicality like a rain washout, I think it just would have been a nightmare disaster for the promoters. So they'll be very happy that we made it through, even with just the five runs in hand. <laughs> right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the washouts, the rain delays. And so that means that in a tournament of this kind, there's no backup days. So matches were essentially, they were ringed out completely and not finished, I guess you could say. 
Yeah, so the semi-final between uh, England and um, India was completely washed out. They couldn't get onto the SCG uh, within the allocated time period. And it's a real, it's actually, I mean, I think it's been a huge oversight by all involved to not have a reserve day. So a reserve day is when they uh, plan, have a contingency plan in place, at least for the finals, in case there is something like a washout. So you have an extra day allocated where the ground's reserved or perhaps you have a backup ground, more common to have the same ground, but a backup day because the final isn't, well, we had the semifinals on Friday and the final's not happening till Sunday. So there there are two days in between. Of course, you don't want teams travelling the night or morning of, uh, night before or morning of, but, you know, I'm sure if you asked all the England women that, you know, they would have happily played tomorrow and had less preparation for a World mm-hmm. Cup final than to be knocked out like that. Yeah. So did you get any media? Was there any media criticism of this? Did you did you see any of, you know, whether it was English media showing any type of frustration over this exact thing? Because England are um, ICC world champs. From mm-hmm. so Yeah. Have you, have you seen any of that or heard any sort of commentary? Yeah, there's certainly been some criticism within Australia. I mean, obviously, from an Australian media perspective, they're just glad that Australia's in the final. But there was a lot of, um, you know, uh, discomfort. And even Mark Waugh, one of the former um, Australian men's cricket players here, he just wrote on Twitter that surely it's common sense that you have a backup day. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. they've really been saved huge embarrassment if the host nation, Australia, and world number one were knocked out. But, you know, given England's standing in the women's game, I think it's an enormous shame that their tournament has ended like this. I mean, they'll say that, you know, our loss to South Africa cost us, but really uh, I don't think it's a fair way to have decided the finalists. I don't think India would be happy with that result either. I think they much would have rather, you know, prove their their uh, place in the final through, through a semi-final. And speaking of India, who were actually who lost in the final to England in the ICC World Cup, mm. um, and it, you're right, it, it doesn't feel like this vindication. It feels like this isn't a fabulous way to no. finish. Like it doesn't feel fulfilling with the amount of time and effort that these women put in. It just sort mm. of feels anticlimactic almost. Oh, absolutely. I think Mandana was actually interviewed um, by Nearly Meadows uh, yesterday and just said. She said the team had in-between emotions about the washout. You know, she said mm. it's massive for women's cricket back in India, obviously, to have made the final and encourages so many more girls to participate. But, you know, it's just not the ideal way that they would have progressed. However, I think, you know, look, they're undefeated apart from the washout. So I think they can be extremely proud of their tournament. Yeah, I mean, particularly one of the up-and-coming rock stars. I don't know if I want to say up-and-coming because she's already in the T20 record-holding position, is Mm. uh, Shafari Verma, who's 16 years old. Oh, I just can't believe her age, honestly. I mean, she's just so calm and level-headed when she takes to the field. I think she's made 161 runs for the tournament, um, Mm. an average of about 40 and a strike rate of 161. I just think, you know, along with um, Punam Yadav, it's just, you know, India have those two to be so thankful for, for progressing. But I'm so impressed with Shafali's um, maturity, given her age and, and how much she's led from the front. 
But I mean, even if we look back at other players like Kamen Preet Kaur, who was, you know, previous mm-hmm. captain and the Tali Raj and their dignity and their grace on, you mm-hmm. know, like reading books on the pitch, actually, between <laughs> batting, I think you have some very focused and very, like, it's it's incredible to me that, that you're right, she's so young. And I keep thinking, what was I doing at 16? <laughs> but I mean... I mean, we can talk about some other really exciting things like the Swiss Thailand's first appearance at the T20. Mm. Mm. And that was wonderful. And even the culture of women's cricket was mm. beautiful. Sri Lanka or even Pakistan bowed out and Pakistan and, and beat the Windies very early on. And, you know, coming from a Pakistani family, that was very exciting. But, you yeah. know, of course, the commentary around the rain, rain and washouts and whatnot, it just wasn't meant to be. But the women mm. really... You know, the the culture and the appreciation of women's cricket, it's not something that is performative. It was intentionally mm. worked on in Australia, hence the, you know, fill the MCG. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you've seen in the last couple of years? Yeah, so it's certainly been a concerted campaign. I think they came out right from the beginning and said, you know, we're holding this game on International Women's Day. We want it to be, we want to break the world record. Uh, I think it's currently the 1999 FIFA Women's World Cup record crowd of 90,815 between the USA and China. They were very confident that they could get that figure to the MCG, which I think took some people by surprise at the time. But I think, you know, it's really testament to what Cricket Australia and the Australian Cricketers Association have done with the women's game here. You know, it wasn't that long ago that they negotiated really a world-leading uh, collective bargaining agreement to ensure that our women are paid properly mm. to the extent that they can actually professionally focus on cricket. And, you know, as someone who back in the day played for Victoria, this is an enormous uh, progression from where cricket was, you know, 15, 20 years ago where we were still paying our way, you know, around the country to get to tournaments, uh, to think that we now have the best-paid cricketers in the world. I think it's really off the back of that move um, by the union and by the governing body to say that we want cricket to be the sport of choice for girls and women in this country. And I think, you know, I'm just so impressed that they've gone, continued with this campaign. We've got, you know, billboards outside Flinders Street Station here in Melbourne, one of the main train stations, um, you know, advertising women's cricket got a giant photo of Elise Perry, which is probably unfortunate given she's now injured and can't play. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, you you wouldn't, you can't miss the campaign here, even as a neutral, as someone who's not invested in cricket. Everyone knows about Phil the MCG. You know, they got Katy Perry along. They got a bit of flack for that. But, you know, whatever draws people to the ground, I think everyone's Billie happy. Billie Jean King is going to be in attendance. Billie yeah. Jean King, the patron saint of women's sport. <laughs> I know. How incredible. She's actually speaking yeah. at an event in Melbourne today that I wish I could be at, but I can't. But, you know, I think everyone who's anyone is here. I saw on Twitter yesterday, um, you know, some uh, ladies who legs been one of the women's sport uh accounts here in Australia was asking, you know, where are you coming from to watch the game? I saw people say they were coming from all corners of Australia, some from New Zealand. You know, everybody wants to be at the MCG on Sunday and it's an enormously exciting moment for women's sport generally as well as women in cricket. 
So something that might interest our American listeners is that Phil the MCG is actually trying to beat the record from the Rose Bowl, the 1999 U.S. Women's National Team when they went to the finals of of the the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Phil the MCG in Melbourne is trying to actually beat that record of highest attendance of Mm -hmm. people anywhere in the world ever of a women's sporting event, which I think is uh, 95,000 people is bigger than a lot of towns and cities so like that's, yeah. that's a lot of people yeah i mean i saw a few days ago they said at least 50,000 tickets had been sold already and that was before we knew that australia were definitely in the final it's before we knew that india were in the final i actually mm-hmm. think that the matchup of australia india is probably the one that is most likely to get that figure so yeah it's wow. really exciting uh, i think i feel a bit nervous and excited at the same time about you know, having set the bar so high, but, you know, I'm confident. I think, you know, there's a real buzz around this at the moment in Australia and um, it would be really special if we could, if we could make it. Yeah. I think that would be, that would be amazing. I mean, however, the result, I think it was, it's like a win on many levels for many things. Like I think that looking at Australia as a model for how you can develop a domestic league and then make it potentially the best place in the world for everybody to go to flock Mm. to, play is so so important are there a lot of international players in the domestic league the bash in 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 australia yeah including from the indian team so i think that's something that people (laughs) people probably don't think about these are teammates otherwise so you know uh, how incredible that we get a final where our domestic league players can play off against each other for their countries but i think you know that's testament to australia's commitment to being a world leader in in cricket and the fact that we are getting the best cricketers coming over uh, mm-hmm. just, you know, enables them to to perfect their craft and to progress to an even higher uh, level. So I think, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was I really hope that India, having done so well in this tournament, fast tracks their own IPL uh, league in India because wouldn't it be incredible to see them uh, even get some of the limelight attention money that the men's IPL does, you know. So fingers crossed. Well, yeah, and even a stronger example of that as well would be Pakistan's league and, you know, how mm. how minimally the women are supported as opposed to the men. And I think that that you know, something that has been being spoken about for a very long time um, about how like the discrepancy in, in terms of what the women are getting and what the men do get. And mm. I think that's, that's an important something to look at. And if, you know, hopefully all the cricket boards across the world are looking at Australia to say, this is what you should be doing because mm. the talent is, is, is worldwide is all over there. Um, one question I have is when I, I remember being really excited when the, the Windies, the West Indian team won in 2016. I really, yeah. really got hooked back then. It was a lot of fun for me. And I was really excited at how the men's team came out to support the women's team. Are you seeing that level of support as well? Because the men's T20 is coming up soon. It's not too mm. far in the future. So are mm. they out there? Are they vocalizing in public with their support in, in Australia of, of the T20? Look, I think, uh, yes, to an extent, I think it could always be better. Um, But I think the interesting thing that's happened in Australia over the last couple of years is that the WBBL, so the Women's Big Bash League, um, stood alone from the Men's Big Bash League. And, you know, we've seen great crowds um, on the back of that decision. And I think, um, you know, we were in a position only years ago where we had that model of the women's uh, final being played 
before the men's final. You know, often it wasn't in the home state of the team that had actually finished on top. So it always mm. felt like that really awkward, you know, double header slash curtain raiser. I hate that term, but you know, this idea that the women open for the men and you know we'll catch some of the men's crowd well I think that thinking has totally shifted in Australia over the past couple of years and they've backed the league in to draw its own crowds which it has so I think that's the most important shift I've seen in Australia recently. Yeah definitely I think that's really important and it was also intentional to do the final on an international women's day was it not? Mm. Yeah absolutely yeah I mean they were very open about wanting it to be this uh you know like for people who aren't aware in Australia, there's been a lot of movement on in terms of national elite women's sport over the last few years. You know, we've had Australian rules football is the most popular code here, probably just ahead of cricket. And we've had the National Women's League now into its fourth season. Um, you know, rugby league followed with their own national women's competition. So, but cricket really got on the front foot and said, well, we think we're leading in terms of resourcing, conditions, pay, et cetera. And we want to mark that, this so-called revolution for women in sport with an enormous show of support from a huge crowd on International Women's Day, which I've really admired. That's amazing. So I have two tough questions to round up this hot take. Yeah. Predictions. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hard. For the final? Yeah. Oh, as in who do I think is going to win? Yeah. Oh. And I hate, the, actually, I'm so sorry I'm asking you this question. I hate this question. <laughs> but it's just like, I, I think, I know, I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts just generally about both teams and their strengths and what we should be looking for. Well, look, I think Australia have had a very nervous tournament. I think they haven't looked comfortable throughout. Uh, I think, you know, you saw the nerves even you know, Elise Perry standing on the sidelines just looking incredibly nervous because she couldn't be out there. And I don't think we can underestimate uh, her loss and how big that is for the Australian team. But right. I think, you know, I think the double-edged part of the Phil the G campaign is that there's just been this assumption that Australia are going to be there because they're world number one. And, you know, and I think that almost came to fruition, that nervousness in that first game against India, taking nothing away from India. I don't think Australia looked at their best and I don't think they really have all tournaments. So I'm not sure whether the big crowd, whether the occasion will actually backfire in terms of Australia's performance. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're slowly moving towards their best cricket, but I think India are really on top of their game in terms of their yeah. confidence and how they've gelled as a team. So, look, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if India upset Australia (laughs) is my thinking at the moment. But, you know, that's sort of sacrilegious to say here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last question for those of us on the other side of the world. What do you all eat during cricket (laughs) matches? What is the the food of choice? Is it Vegemite? Is it roost stew? What do you (laughs) No, none of those things. Um... (laughs) It's probably like French fries, hot dogs, meat okay. pies, um, okay. beer. Yeah, <laughs> There's no it's like regular inside. stadium food, right? Yeah, yeah, totally stock standard. Like, wouldn't be out of place in America by any stretch of the imagination. I'm thinking. So, yeah, that's what we'll be all eating. <laughs> awesome. Um, I just want to thank you so much 
uh, for being on Burn It All Down for this hot take and sort of going through this and talking like so excitedly, making us so excited about women's cricket, which I'm really hoping we'll pick up on this side of the world too, because uh, yes. these time zones are those time zones are killing me. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it's been um, a very stressful tournament. I can tell you that from an Australian point of view. But yes, I hope it takes off in the US too. So thank you so much from all your friends on this side of the world. And uh, we'll be cheering for everybody on Sunday. Thank you. I love your work. You know, always um, very inspired by you. So it's been an honor to be on the pod. And I'll suck you up and I'll spit you up.